Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hi, everyone. This is Sean from the Sean Baker Orchestra, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Mark Striegel. Welcome to Talking Metal. We have two very special guests on today's show. The first is Sean Baker, a great guitar player from Michigan here in the United States. And then we have Michael Ahmet from Arch Enemy checking in with us. Arch Enemy have a new record on the way, and it is a pretty special record because it revisits Arch Enemy's early history. But uh, they do the revisiting with, you know, Charlie on bass and Angela on vocals, of course. So it's it's uh, it's cool. You get these old Arch Enemy tracks re-recorded in the new Arch Enemy sound. So I'm looking forward to it. From what I've heard, there's some great tracks off of this album. And we're actually going to end today's podcast with a brand new version of Pilgrim, uh, an older Arch Enemy song. So it's uh, stay tuned for that. Great song. Great song. Anyways, let's first get into a little music. This is Screams from the Deep by Serpent Cult.
That was Screams from the Deep by Serpent Cult here on Talking Metal. Guys, the best way to support Talking Metal is to go buy a t-shirt. You can do that on TalkingMetal.com in the store section. Check them out. Brand new, very cool t-shirts. Uh, pretty affordable. You know, the they do hit you a little bit with the postage, which has nothing to do with us. But uh, definitely show some support. Go buy a t-shirt on TalkingMetal.com, your official silver spacecraft Talking Metal t-shirts. And also another thing you can do to support is when you meet these bands that you hear on the podcast, let them know that you heard their interview on Talking Metal. And just spread the word, spread the Talking Metal love, as you will. Let's get into a little Sean Baker right now. This guy has been a friend of the show for a long time, and I'm glad that we finally did an interview with him. Um, It's been a long time coming. This guy is one of the best guitar players in the United States right now. His name is Sean Baker. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra. This is called Butterfingers. It's off his first CD. Later on, after we hear from Sean, after the interview, we'll get into a newer Sean Baker Orchestra track called The Dukes of New York. So anyways, little Sean Baker, followed by the interview. Sean Baker on the line. Sean, how are you? How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Great, Thanks, Sean. Thanks for calling in. You're calling in from Michigan tonight? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, man, I'm really excited to talk to you because we've been featuring you on like the Talking Metal podcast, Talking Rock podcast, Talking Metal on Fuse, and uh, we're just uh, big fans of your music. Yeah, I can't believe we're only now, four years later, getting him on. So uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, man, we first discovered you, I believe, by uh, a column in Guitar Player, a Mike Varney column. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I I was lucky enough to have a dream come true and actually be uh, put in contact with Mike Varney, and I was lucky enough to actually make it to the world-famous uh, spotlight column that I'd probably been reading since my early teens. I, I remember that column, yeah. man. And now, let's, let's, let's just recap for some of the younger listeners or, or non-guitar-playing listeners who don't know who Mike Varney is. Sean, can you talk a little bit about his history? 
Oh, my Lord, absolutely. It'd be an honor. Um, Mike Varney was a guy that was well ahead of his time uh, back in the 80s when it was actually kind of cool to be good on your instruments and in kind of a show-off type of era of, uh, of musicianship back then. Uh, Mike had the vision of getting all these uh, unheard-of guitarists together that had mind-boggling chops and and was really over-the-top guitar playing. And he, uh, I believe he uh, discovered Yngwie Malmsteen, uh, Paul Gilbert, Jason Becker, and really uh, was carrying the torch for uh, instrumental guitar, especially back in the day. And uh, like I say, I was I was lucky enough to actually shake hands with the man and uh, was always a fan of the uh, the type of acts that he had on his label. And actually, I just did an interview recently with Virtuosity1.com and mentioned that probably Mike's had a bigger impact on a guitar playing over the years as, as any one guitarist. Without a doubt. I mean... I used to I used to find out back in my hometown about who was the new hot guitar player from reading that column. And today when I was uh, looking over your MySpace page, I, I saw a quote from Mike that said, uh, guitar, uh, he was talking about you, he said, a guitarist with a full complement of requisite techniques and chops. And I just think it's amazing to be recognized by somebody like that. So congratulations, Sean. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and you're you're right. It's definitely a, a, a dream come true. Growing up in Detroit and just having a love for music, growing up and whatnot, and really looked up to a lot of those guys. Uh, you know, Mike Varney included, and a lot of the gentlemen that ended up doing records on the Shrapnel label, and uh, a couple of them now I can actually call my friends. And uh, um, I was out in Vegas last November for my birthday with my wife, and uh, actually went out to dinner with Mr. Varney with uh, wow. my wife. And went and hung out with George Lynch, who was playing out there, who was I uh, was huge influence on me growing up. And uh, Mike kind of took me and my wife under his wing and took us to a couple places there in Vegas. And it's like he knew everybody. He took me to a bar. Vinnie Paul was there. Uh, Dennis Quaid was there. And uh, we just had a great time. And like I say, it was really a dream come true. Uh, it really uh, surreal to uh, look up to these people as a youngster when you just you know, that. I'm sure I don't need to tell you guys. You guys live and breathe music as well. And to actually bump shoulders with the guy and drive around in his car and, and he shared sushi with uh, me and my wife off his plate. So, I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, I was walking 10 inches off the ground for a month afterwards. It was really, really unbelievable. Cool. That's awesome. And you've also, I mean, you've, you have had dealings with Paul Gilbert and Bruce Bouillet too, right? Yeah. Bruce Bouillet is uh, my best friend on the planet. Um, and was another guy that I really looked up to growing up. And so that was a very surreal thing as well when he, I became friends with him. And then to have him mix uh, both my CDs, and he played a little bit on the first one and actually contributed a song to the new one. And really, at this point in my life, I can't imagine making a CD without having Bruce involved in it in some way. And I just love the guy to death. Of course, yeah. Bruce was with Racer X and uh, later The Scream. Yes, yes sir. Now, I got to ask you, did you already do some shows with Bruce's band or is that upcoming? That was it was supposed to start at the end of September and uh Bruce's C D, his new C D that he's gonna um push on this Virtuosity O nine tour has got pushed back a little bit. So the actual dates with Bruce have been pushed back, but we are doing a couple Virtuosity uh O nine shows here in Michigan, um with Joe Stump, who's another friend of mine that I'm lucky enough to have on our, our new C D as well, and another gentleman by the name of Michael Harris, who is another uh instrumental guitar from Line Music. So all three of us being on Line Music seems like a cool thing. These guys are my buddies, and it's a lot of fun. We get to go up and do the uh, the Jeech uh, 3 type jam at the end of the night, and it, it's really, really a great time, especially if you love guitar. Yeah, that song you do with Joe Stump on the new record, by the way, uh, Neoclassical Gas, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I was I, lucky enough to have Joe on that. Yeah, that, that's a great song. I was driving down to my mom's the, uh, the other day, a couple weeks ago, actually, and... Uh, I had that you you had just sent me your CD which I had picked up on at the post office on my way down to her place. Cool. And I just kept hitting you know I like kept rewind. playing yeah I kept playing that song over Repeat. and over again just full blast driving down 78 in Jersey to my mom's. Uh, it's such a great oh, song. Beautiful. Yeah and a, and a great great album. The new album, the second album by the Sean Baker Orchestra is called Baker's Dozen. And let's talk about the actual Orchestra. Are these, uh, I, I know on the CD, there's, I, I think you have three guys uh, pictured with you, right? Are these um, guys that were 
on the first CD too, or is this a, a new new band kind of? Well, I hate to call them a new band because I've actually been with these guys for five years, and and what it boiled down to is when I put the uh, the first CD was actually recorded to be a vocal album at the time, and before we had uh, the time to add the vocals to the CD, the band uh, disbanded, and, and um, I was stuck with like 17 backing tracks that I ended up picking, I think about nine of them to use as a, a template to make an instrumental record. Well, the gentleman that played on the uh, record, as far as bass and guitar uh, bass and drums were concerned were no longer a part of the project so it was basically me going into a studio with an engineer and throwing all this guitar goofy nonsense on top of songs that were already established well when uh, a couple opportunities had arose for me to play some uh, high profile shows I wanted to get a band together as opposed to just the instrumental guitars playing backing tracks so a couple of the guys that are actually all the guys that you see on the new CD are guys that I wanted to play with since I was growing up uh, in the Detroit scene and finally had the opportunity to get Lawrence, who is a monster on drums, and him and uh, my bass player, Dave, have been in bands since they were about 13 years old. They, wow. they, they roadied for Blackfoot for years, I know, and these guys got a lot of hours and minutes together, so it was really a no-brainer to get these guys to come along because I knew bass and drums would be tight. Um, one of my best friends in high school actually laid down a couple solos for the first uh, CDL, and it was a no-brainer to ask him because at the time we were best friends, and I seen the guy daily anyway, so I figured, well, just strap your guitar and let's do this. Well, uh, a couple of years, I guess it's probably been two, two and a half years ago, Al had, uh, had to leave the band, unfortunately, and one of our biggest fans was this character named C-Mac from Detroit, who's actually very good friends with Eric Kluber. Wow. And, um, yeah, and so he was an unbelievable guitarist. I'd go watch his band. He'd come watch us. So when my friend Al had to leave, it was just a no-brainer to get CMA because the guy is an unbelievable guitarist and, and brought a lot of enthusiasm to the band, which was nice. Cool. Now, uh, Sean, before we uh, let you go, I got two things. I just want to tell you, I think Baker's Dozen is like one of the – most creative titles I've ever heard for an album. I just love it because your name, Baker, and of course we know a Baker's Dozen is 13, and you got 13 tracks. So c congratulations. Good for you on that title. I love it. I appreciate it. I've actually, that was a tongue-in-cheek thing that you would not believe the compliments I've had in, in the donut and the whole nine yards. It's cool. We did a, a couple CD release shows here locally, and if you bought, we had a combo package. You buy our new T-shirt and our new uh, CD at the gigs, and we gave you donuts. Cool. And that, that donut shop on the cover of the album, that's out in L.A., right, by the airport, right? Yes, sir. Uh, let me yeah. uh, Randy's Donut. You can actually see the donut when you're landing at LAX. Yes. yes. <laughs> is Many times I've seen it, and I've never stopped there, but it, uh, I need to next time. Very good. Do yourself a favor and do it. It's awesome. I, I had to just because I used the pictures. <laughs> yeah, very good. Now, the, the album doesn't seem to be on iTunes yet. Do you think it'll be coming to iTunes soon? From what I hear, it's, it's, I would think in the next month or so, that for some reason, uh, some of the American distributors, because Lion Music is out of Finland, um, I have some friends that own record shops throughout, uh, throughout upstate New York and whatnot, and they said they're having a hard time of finding it as well. And I know they were having a shipping problem. A few of the boxes of the CDs, I believe, were, were lost from the uh, company that produ or, uh, I'm sorry, produced them. They got lost in between there and the label. So I had a, a, actually a hard time getting my CDs um, when it was released. So, But I have been told that uh, we should be seeing some stuff show up here in the next month or so. Okay, and in the meantime, is there a place online that you recommend to buy the album? Yes, sir. There's a, a link on my MySpace page. It seems like everybody's using MySpace these days, so I pretty much put everything there. You can listen to some new songs on there as well and cool. some of the old ones, but there is a link to uh, buy any merchandise from us. Excellent, excellent. Well, Sean, we'd love to get a Talking Metal ID saying your name and you are listening to Talking Metal. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Hi, everyone. This is Sean from the Sean Baker Orchestra, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Cool. And what do you want us to take? Uh, what song should we play to take us out here? We actually have played uh, the one with Joe Stump before, so okay. I'd like to hit a different one if possible. Well, I tell you what. Why don't we go out with the Dukes of New York, and I dedicate it to both of you gentlemen. Well, thank, thank you. you and man. Thank you for the special thanks on the record, by the way. We appreciate that. Oh, you guys have been there since day one. I really appreciate it and cannot thank you enough. I appreciate it to both of you. Thank you very much. Sean, thank you very much for taking the time out today, and uh, we hope to see you real soon. Rock 
down, my brothers. Take care. Thank you. And guys, do yourself a favor. Go buy Baker's Dozen by the Sean Baker Orchestra. A lot of great stuff on this album. This is Dukes of New York. Thanks for joining us on the Talking Metal Live show. We're going to wrap it up a little early tonight. I'm trying to catch a train and avoid taking a car home, which saves me about... uh, 90 bucks. Yeah, about 90 bucks. So there you go. This is Dukes of New York by the Sean Baker Orchestra.
That was Dukes of New York by Sean Baker Orchestra. Check those guys out. If you go to today's show notes, we will have a link up there where you can go buy the CD. I definitely recommend it. It's a great listen. And uh, that song I mentioned in the interview, Neoclassical Gas uh, with Joe Stump, rocks. Uh, We're going to talk with Michael from Arch Enemy uh, in a little bit. He's going to tell us about Gus G, who actually took lessons, I believe, from Joe Stump. So there you go. Uh, Always a tie-in. Uh, but right now, let's get into an Arch Enemy classic. This is We Will Rise. Then we'll hear from Michael from Arch Enemy, and we'll finish today's show with a brand new Arch Enemy track. Hey, this is Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Michael from Arch Enemy. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You bet. So I wanted to get right into the new album that's on the way, The Root of All Evil, which will be released on September 28th. Why was now the time to revisit a lot of these older songs that are re-recorded on this album? Why, why, why? Uh, mainly because we found the time in between other stuff that we had going on like we think we always seem to be on the road and and doing things like that so um you know we just kind of squeezed it in a few between a few tours we had the idea for quite some time now to do this kind of record and uh took us a couple of years to just kind of get the timing right and get into the studio and, and stuff like that so yeah, it's been something that we've been thinking about and even talking about in interviews for a couple of years, two, three years now that we're going to do, and we finally got around to doing it. I don't know if now's a good time or not. 
<laughs> yeah. I have well, no idea. <laughs> now, a lot of, I mean, some of these songs like uh, The Mortal and uh, Diva Satanic, I know I've heard you guys do in concert, but were there songs that that maybe you hadn't played live in a long time that you actually had to go back and relearn the guitar parts? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, there were songs, for instance, there were songs that we'd never played live as well that are featured in this album. And, you know, in the studio that we don't lead on in the studio, like uh, Demonic Science, for instance, a uh, track that we did, we did from those originally on the Burning Bridges album, 99. And um, 10 years ago, you know, that's a long time. And uh, we we had no idea what the hell we'd been up to in the studio. So layering harmonies and, and stuff, you know, <laughs> we had to pick it all out. But it was fun. Uh, it was a fun process as well. Now, I know with bands like Exodus, when they went back and, and re-recorded uh, uh, Bonded by Blood, there was, among their fan base, there was you know, some positive response, but also some negative response. And I was curious, how have the longtime Arch Enemy fans been reacting to the fact that you're going back and basically re- redoing a lot of your older songs? Um, I think, like with every, like you said, this kind of release tends to cause some kind of controversy uh, in that sense. But that was never our intention, really. I just thought, you know, like when Test, Testament did a similar project a few years back. Uh, they re-recorded a selection of songs from, I think, their two or three first albums. And uh, I thought that was very successful, that project. I thought it was very good. I actually prefer listening to that album. I think it was called First Strike Still Deadly. And I actually prefer listening to that than to their the original. I thought that's kind of, to me, that was kind of a successful um um, that was done successfully. That that the project that they did, the Testament. Um, we, we wanted to do something like that, but um, obviously we got a. We had albums that were not. I don't think our those first three records are held in that high regard. Really, I know the band was really small when we put out those first three albums. We didn't have much of a following. Um, and then when Angela joined and Charlie joined on bass and stuff like that in 2000, then we sort of we started with what I consider like the the real arch enemy, you know, from Wages of Sin. You know, that's when our real sort of career or whatever you want to call it started, and uh, we had we gained a, a much broader fan base. Yeah, and I but think to me it's not to me, yeah to me it's not that controversial really. I mean, we love some of that old material in the first three albums, and we thought it'd be cool to go back jam those songs again, put them out. And, you know, the old records are still there. It's not like we're trying to rewrite the past or anything. So, you know, to me, it's not that controversial. But I know I've heard some negative opinions. But, you know, everybody's got an opinion, so it's cool. Yeah, I'm sure, like you said, there's a lot of fans who probably don't really follow the band, you know, before Angela joined. So this is a chance. Yeah, the the majority is the majority of fans, yeah, that we have now have... A lot of them, some of them are aware that we had a few albums out before Angela joined, but they're not interested, you know, right. in listening to those old records because they're kind of different. They've got a different production, a little bit different songwriting sometimes. The vocals are really different. You know, we kind of got our a new sound when we did Wage of Sin. In many ways, that was our, a, a new beginning for us. So, yeah, but, you know, I still thought, you know... I, we were kind of thinking it would be awesome to play like the Birmingham Angel or Pilgrim or uh, or um, song, you know, songs like that live. We thought that would be a lot of fun to do that again. And also it's kind of a a fun thing for us to do, you know, to revisit. And, yeah. Yeah. And like you, like you said, it's a whole different sound with the new recordings. I mean, a song like Pilgrim is, I can imagine it's just going to go over really, really well with the, the newer fan base of the band because, uh, really sounds yeah good. i mean those are yeah exactly yeah so it's got some of that that one seems to make sense uh you know now with the new band and beast of man was another song that i thought i never liked the original version of beast of man and i thought you know i thought we could do it better so and i think we did so you know this and then obviously it's all up to personal taste you know so if you prefer the the old the original so to speak or the this new version they're both Readily available. <laughs> right, right, cool. So it's not <laughs> like you're, it's not like you're taking those off the market or anything like that. They're still out no, there. No, well, I know Megadeth. Didn't they Megadeth do something? Didn't they do something where he 
remixed. Yeah, yeah, he remastered some of those early records, and at the same time, I believe I I would need to check this, but I believe he re-recorded some of the parts. Yeah, and then replaced them, right? Yes, yes. In the catalog, the originals are not so. I don't know about that. I wouldn't do that. Go that far with this. this is not that dramatic. <laughs> well, like Ozzy did, right? He re-recorded, didn't they re-record some parts? Yeah, they got rid of uh, Bob Daisley's uh, bass parts and Lee's parts and re-recorded those parts. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Now, this is, we didn't fuck with the original master tapes or anything. This is just, we went in, you know, we just went in and recorded everything from scratch. And Right. I got you. Know, you. The originals are still there. <laughs> right. Not that I'm comparing them to Blizzard of Oz or anything. Yeah. But, you know. Cool. Well, we're excited for this new album, and we're excited to hear a lot of these great old tracks in concert, too. Let's uh, talk about what you've been up to for the the past few years. Back in 2008 and into 2009, you've been doing stuff with Carcass, uh, reunion stuff. How has it felt reuniting with Bill and Jeff after all these years? Um, Really good. I mean, it's been a fantastic ride, really good experience. I can't say enough good things about it really it's been really awesome <laughs> you know and on every level and also with the original drummer Keno and he was involved in the reunion not he couldn't tour with us but he came out to all the shows and or well, m- not so much in the US maybe but uh in Europe and places that were easier to travel to he came out to all the shows and hung out and played a little drum solo and stuff like that right he, you, went he was the, at the New York show right he was yes I mean stuff like that was just the whole thing just had a really good atmosphere, you know. And um, I'm actually off to Moscow. It's been a prolonged <laughs> reunion. It's get not quite like the kids' reunion, but you know, right? It's it's, <laughs> it's hard to stop when people want you want to come and see you play, and and we're having so much fun, you know. So um, uh, we're actually playing the last show of the year of 2009 in Moscow uh, this weekend on Saturday. Cool. So uh, I'm flying out tomorrow to Moscow to play a show there. Excellent. And so, now you, you've known Bill Steer like well, since you were kids, really, right? Well, teenagers at least, yeah. Definitely, yeah. How did you first so, get I mean, to meet him? Uh, actually, through, he was playing, I mean, he was really young. He joined Napalm Death when he was 16 or 17 or something like that. And I was involved at the same age. You know, I was, we were the same age and we... Um, you know, doing the tape trading, you know, writing letters, physical letters. <laughs> right, pre-email. <You> know? <laughs> yeah, this is all pre-internet. It's hard to fathom nowadays, absolutely. But, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of, because there's so few people, it wasn't really that many people that were into the underground extreme metal scene back then. It wasn't like now, so it was very different then. So you kind of kept track of everybody through regular, uh, regular mail, and uh, what well, they call snail mail, and um, and you know I'd I'd go over to the UK um, on my summer vacations and hang out there and sort of travel with Napalm Death in their van and to gigs and stuff like that. And you know I just I was just a fan of that scene that was emerging in the UK then in the eighties and late eighties, which was kind of like grind death. Um, I don't know what you call it, but it was like Napalm Death, Bolt Thrower, Carcass, uh, Unseen Terror. A bunch of bands, stuff like that, quite extreme stuff, you know. It was very exciting at the time. And so you, I was a fan of that. I was a fan of that, and that's how I got to know. I kind of, kind of infiltrated the UK scene. <laughs> right. Cool. And but back in Sweden, you really helped, in a lot of people's eyes, launch the whole Swedish death metal scene that evolved, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s back there with Carnage, of course, uh, one of the first. Swedish death metal albums to ever be released, uh, Dark Recollections. Do you have fond memories of, the, of, that, of that? Well, I mean, those are just baby steps, you know. It's like, I don't really... Like, there was a book that was released um, about Swedish death metal recently. Right, yep. And uh, I, was, I think I was interviewed for one of the editions. I don't think I got around to doing the original one, but I think there was a U.S. edition of some of those that came out. And I think I'm included in that one. You definitely are. I read the book, yep. Okay, cool. Uh, But, you know, it's just like, I don't really think too much about those days. I noticed when I read the book, uh, the original one, it seemed like a lot of people kind of hung up on the past, and I'm not really like that as a person. So I'm always a little bit like, 
I, I'm not ashamed of my past. I think Carnage was a cool band. Carcass is a cool, really cool thing that I'm proud of. I'm proud of the, that I was a part of that. But I don't like think about it a lot, and I don't. Uh, I don't think. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> right. No, I hear what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, it's not like the main thing that's happened in my whole life. I've just kind of considered. I've been going through so many different. I keep progressing. I like to think that I keep progressing anyway. Progressing. And um, it's not really something that I, I'm not hung up on the past or anything like that. But it's cool, you know. And it's cool for the fans that are into that era of uh, metal, that they, uh, that style of metal, too. That, um, you know, yeah. When people come up to me with the Carnage LP or something, give me sign it. You know, of course, that's awesome. Right. Know? Cool. Now, uh, I wanted to mention your signature foot pedal that you have. It's the GIM, right? Uh, G1M. G1M. Okay, G1M. I'm sorry. So the G1M, is that something that you run through an amp or you use more directly like going into your board or something? Uh, you can do both. You can do both. It's very, it's sort of, they were doing Zoom. They've been giving me like some free gadgets here and there over the last few years. And they gave me something that was called G1. And it was like their standard edition, like a little, you know, like the pods that Line 6 used to do. And right, stuff, right. And um, I just brought it on the road and I started, you know, I was just using it for practicing, you know, with my headphones, really, and uh, then also put them through a little practice amp and stuff like that. And um, so I was using that for about a year, you know, just for warming up and stuff, really. Not for getting any sounds in the studio or anything, really. It just, it's a really cheap unit. It's only like 50, 60 bucks, I believe. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's like really low price. And then they asked me if I could do this signature edition, uh, you know, with 40 of my own, you know, um, signature sounds. I don't know anybody's got 40 signature sounds. But <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had a stab at that, and I, I came up with uh, like 10 really solid metal sounds and then also uh, a bunch of crazy sounds, you know. Cool. Yeah, so that was fun, and uh, we put that out, and it's been very successful. I think it's been the most successful one they've had. They've done one with George Lynch and and some other people, John Five and people like this. Um, but this one, obviously, it appeals to the extreme metal. Uh, like I did, like a Carnage sound, like a Swedish death metal sound. Right. Okay, there I go. There I'm <laughs> back in my past again. But anyway, I did that, and I did like a Carcass-inspired sound, like a hardwork type sound. I did a bunch of Arch Enemy type sounds and beyond. You know. Cool. I can't so, believe it's only you know, 60 bucks. That's great. Yeah, I know. It's like retail for like $59 or something like that. Wow. Something. So, yeah, and it comes with like a, a poster and a sticker and a pick and, you know, that. No talent, though. you got to get your own talent. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no skills in, in, in the box. But, uh, you know, I think, I think it sounds really good for what it is, you know. And cool. I think it's the first pedal that's sort of their multi-effect sort of practice tool that's uh, geared towards um, extreme metal because usually it's kind of like shred type stuff, right? Or, uh, right. or it's just a different, you know, more traditional hard rock like icons from the 70s or 80s more normally, I guess. Um, and I'm uh, I'm a 90s death metal icon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Well, we got to check that out. And before I let you go, I just wanted to get your take on um, your it was a guitar player who toured with you when you were on uh, Ozfest, and I think he actually played uh, on one song on Doomsday Machine. Gus G has been in the news a lot lately, uh, replacing Zach in Ozzy's band. And I was wondering, did Ozzy first discover Gus when he was out in the road on Ozfest with you guys? I have no idea how that all went down. I mean, I've, been, I've talked to Gus. I've congratulated him on his uh, awesome opportunity and everything. And we stay in touch. You know, we still remain good friends. We did. He came in and he did us a big, you know, solid favor. You know, by coming in and helping us out. My brother quit, Chris quit the band right, right. before Ozfest 2005, and Gus came in, and learned you know ten songs really quick, and and did the whole thing, did that whole tour. That was two months in the U.S. that we spent together. So yeah, we got a we got a great friendship still. Um, I mean, that was the Ozfest, right? So I don't know. Maybe they. They heard about him there, or but you know he's been making some waves with his own band and stuff for the last right. couple of years. So I don't know. He's a great player and a good guy. So 
And then very handsome. He's very handsome as well. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that helps. <laughs> and then Greek, being being Greek. <laughs> right. And then uh, Frederick came in after Gus, right? Before your brother came back, right? That's right. Yeah. F- Frederick came in after oh, Gus. Yeah, Frederick. Yeah, Frederick. Yeah, and yeah, Frederick uh, was in. Uh, the, when we were talking, to, he was in a band called T- uh, Talisman, who was like a melodic. Uh, yeah. Right. Like an AOR type band, almost. And uh, I think that was Jeff. Jeff Scott Soto was in that band. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he made like seven or eight records with that band, and you know he was looking to play something heavier, and I found him, you know, through you know the internet or something, and uh, that was great. I mean, he was in with us for like eighteen months or something. Right. That that was a bit more longer, and uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. A lot of playing with both him and Frederick, with Gus and Frederick. You know, they both really great guitar players and. Me and my brother have been playing together for so long that we we can't really impress each other at all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know it was fun. It's actually I I picked up a lot from both those guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Frederick was nice. We had him on the show. Oh, maybe about a year ago when he was in town with uh, with Opeth, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Metal. We're now going to get into a song called Pilgrim. It is off The Root of All Evil by Arch Enemy, which will be in stores September 28th, 2009. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Have a great one. Okay, cheers. Bye. Bye.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.